Hey tribe, welcome to Word Up with Danny Katz, your one-stop 5D superhero listening spot. Now, here at Word Up, we host a number of different podcast series, including Words Are Matter, Planetary Service Announcements, Witchy Life Hacks, The Conscious Awesome Show with my amazing co-host, Justin Polgar. It's where we play Spot the Propaganda together, and it's where we have high-vibe, deep-diving conversations with amazing humans. So be sure to hit that subscribe button and stay tuned for this week's episode. What's the topic for today's Conscious Awesome Show? I'm so glad you asked, Tribe. It's courage. Straight up. The name of the show is Courage. Originally recorded as a video, if you want to scope our faces, head on over to our Locals page, which you really want to be joining anyway. ConsciousAwesome.Locals.com. It's where we post all our videos, host our live streams, it's where the community drops in, plays together, and it's where lots of fun, extra, special stuff happens. As well, where are you at with your chocolate supply? Are you stocked up? Are you fully stocked in case of some unforeseen alien invasion? Do you have enough adaptogenic medicinal mushroom infused chocolate to get through? Well, better to be safe than sorry, then surprise, stock up at yescacao.com as well. I recommend checking out Danny's new book, Pop Propaganda, an Illustrated Guide, fun for teens and grown-ups alike. It'll blow your mind wider open. Enjoy the show. Yes. 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 Welcome. Welcome to the Conscious Awesome Show with your hosts, Danny Katz and Justin Polgar. We're here to expand your consciousness by being as awesome as we can muster and also encouraging you to be as awesome as you can muster in your consciousness journey, which is a journey with no distance. You can chew on that one. Today, I'm just going to say, what does that mean? <laughs> a journey with no distance. That's what we're doing here. I in love li- that. In life, yeah. That's in a ton, of course. Ah. The, the great mystic Natan Siegel. He is uh, consistently popping awesome things into my brain. Thank you. Thank you. So many seeds planted in one lifetime. That's an assumption, one lifetime, just saying. So welcome to... We can track in this one. Yes. That might just be the... That might be the track that's most easily accessible. Sure, as their dimensional monkey minds, sure. 3D. That's like a whole... That's a whole nother. It's just 3D. 3D, 4D, 5D. We're going to be really on it with our 4D today, with our timing which I think is going to be beneficial. We'd love to hear from you guys, audience. Uh, Lengthwise, how you're enjoying the length. I like hearing that as well. Just logistical. We're just talking about fun topics, and so we could just keep on going and going. Uh, And I think that there's an optimal little window that we can jive into, which is probably around 33 minutes. 33 feels good to me, and... Like you, I'm so curious to hear from our wide, wide-reaching audience what they think is best. Thank you for your wide-reaching audience. <laughs> Sometimes necessary with the Conscious Awesome show. So today, welcome to episode 15. Episode 15, I'm getting up there. It's pretty exciting. Episode 15, the topic today is courage. Courage. I like that you leaned in to introduce it. It took a little courage to do that. It was an intimate delivery of the courage topic. Well, I think intimacy is a big, that's one of the places where we can apply our courage. Intimacy absolutely uh, invites a big bunch of courage. 
part of that, and I want to get into the etymology of courage and the roots. It's waiting. The tab is open. Oh, excellent. Thank you, DK, um, our, our resident expert in etymological quantum languaging. Thanks. Yes. Um, it would make sense to have courage and intimacy because courage, or the root of cur, courage is cour, which is heart, coming from French. And yeah, so at the heart of courage is your heart. And int intimacy does generally invite a transparency of the heart. A million percent. Yeah, that's not even no, 100%. <laughs> no, 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 that's not true. No, no. Opaque hearts, opaque hearts. Right. Shut, shut down well-armored hearts. <laughs> I was, yeah, I was going to say a couple things. I'm going to... I'm going to hold off on that. Um, but Do yes, you want to hear the etymology of courage beyond um, the core part? Yes, of course. Okay. So yes, of course. I'm just going to repeat everything you say. Forever and ever and ever. Um, courage heart as the seat of emotions. And then it says, hence spirit, temperament, state, or frame of mind from the old French, 12th century courage, heart, innermost feelings, temper. And then we have a late 14th century Latin, which means valor, quality of mind, which enables one to meet danger and trouble without fear. That seems like how we're holding it generally these days. There's also a Middle English version that moves into what is in one's minds or thoughts, um, but also wrath, pride, confidence, lustiness. Oh, and that, that's a nice little cherry on top, lustiness. <laughs> I could see how that fits into the courage, like confidence and courage and the intersection of. I'm gonna need to mull that one over because lustiness in and of itself would take some unpacking and we're doing a 33 minute show today, so. So we'll just oh. nip that one. Exactly. That, it's interesting how in, in the times changing, and this, this happens with language, this is happening with language even today, that the definition, the application, the generally agreed upon meaning of a word does change to meet the times. So in the, in the French, in the 12th and 14th century, it seemed like it was more about heart. And then as we went to Middle English, it went more to mind. Ooh, good noticing. I like That's that. That's interesting. Well, but there, there was crossover in both with temperament and mood as well. Well, there was temper, right? Which I then I added meant to it. Temperament, right. uh, which, which would be like a gauge of your, a gauge of your emotions, your temperament. Right. I see the relation to temper as far as the heart being, I don't know if this is established, but for me, I associate it with the element of fire. Um, so from there, I, I would go to temper. Fire, spark of life, these things. You know, it also, also was called to my attention this week um, as I was on a, on a chiropractic table, on a healing table, so much beyond, it's way beyond chiropractic. Uh, is the end of courage or the rage part of courage, which fits right. into the temper. It's almost like without the core part, there's rage without having the heart in it. I've heard that for military guys that are going in, you know, to like maybe fly planes and drop bombs on villages of innocent people, that they play metal music to sort of, you know, like, um, stir up rage. Yeah, stir up rage, stir up adrenaline, get them in a in an angry mindset. I guess. We're such interesting instruments. Such yeah. bandwidth, such spectrum that we can be operating in. So I'm curious because 
this beautiful topic of courage was your idea and I'm wondering what inspired it and what particular pieces and angles of courage have the most juice for you right now? Well, it's great that you asked because that particular healing table I was laying on and when my chiropractor said courage and he was talking about the rage part of courage and he said, don't get too much in your mind about it. Like, don't, don't let the intellect run off with this. Just be in your body for this session. Uh, which, of course, my mind decided to be a little coyote and have a little side conversation off the table. And I thought, ooh, this is juicy. There's a bunch that I want to unpack. Would be a great conscious awesome topic. Especially because in this particular timing of 2020, uh, and, and that we are in a culture of fear porn at the moment, it seems like a very just and appropriate response, kind of the heightened, the highlighted response, a, a, a response that I would like to see more of is courage. Uh, and that goes into the courage to speak your truth, the courage to be wrong, the courage to be right, the courage to not know. You know there's all of these applications where we're meeting the moment trusting that we are being held in our imperfection mm -hmm. and that's it's not taught it's not even encouraged culturally um, encouraged did you get that boom did i didn't and now i got it <laughs> encouraged which is um an ushering or a, a what else what's encourage let's look it up because i feel like encourage is it's giving someone, when I encourage someone, I imagine that I'm giving them my confidence in them. I'm lending them my courage in the trusting that they're going to pick it up and embody it themselves. That resonates. Let's look it up. I'm looking it up. You keep saying smart things to our lovely audience. Smart <laughs> things to our lovely audience. Encourage as from the old English encourager. I'm sure I'm pronouncing that perfectly. Exactly right. Yes. Exactly right. Uh, it means to make strong, to hearten. That lines up with with my 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 guess. And also, just I like the 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 hearten. It's almost like opening a bridge from your heart to another person, sending them energy from the electrical powerhouse, the fire starter that is the heart. And all that energy that we don't even really measure or track in the way that we play in this culture at least, and really giving heart to that person. It's almost like a, it's almost like an etymological or some kind of energetic, etheric EKG. Or a, <laughs> Is that what it, those things are called? Or are you? I don't think that's an. I think those paddles are like. Uh, I don't actually know what they're called. I think what an EKG measures heart. Rate. Yeah, the, the EKG is that beep, beep, the thing that we've all become yeah. familiar with via, well, some, some of us with personal experience, but mostly in a hospital setting. Um, yeah, what is that called, those machines? It will come. But you guys know what I'm talking about. Bzz, uh, to, to start the heart. So there's something in that, uh, in the transference. It's a giving of heart. It's so, it's so, um, it's welcome. It's welcome. Absolutely. Imagine if we walked around in our day to day uh, with just a pulse of our heart, encouraging, not only with the words that we speak, but also just energetically seeing people and just sending them good heart vibes. Mm -hmm. It's probably going to reflect and mirror back some juicy and comforting. It's probably going to feel really good. I actually, I did this experiment uh, back in the Dizzle. Back in the day, probably in, uh, this was in 2004. Right around this time of year, actually. It was July. And I was in New York City, and I was going... Uh, I don't know, I had like 60 blocks to travel 
and I was going to take the subway and I decided instead to walk it. And I said, and I energetically pushed to every single person that I passed, I love you. Mm. I was so high when I got 60 blocks later. Part of it was the endorphins of walking. It was the juju of the city. But just that response, that, that response energetically that didn't require a verbal acknowledgement. Didn't How many people do you think you blessed with that? Hundreds, maybe thousands. I think 60 blocks in each block, I probably saw somewhere between five and 10 people. Did anyone respond as though they were feeling it? I, I got a lot of smiles, which actually not a lot of smiles. I got some smiles. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I would give a nod. That was kind of a, uh, not an intentional, not like I was intending to nod to let the person know. It was just, it's just a, a communication, a nonverbal communication. Mm -hmm. um, I think I had, I had read somewhere that Pierce Brosnan had done that exercise and I thought that that would be a fun exercise and it was it felt really good in general I would say and specifically also I I'm saying that when I go out into the world as much as I can remember I'm doing an encouragement exercise yeah I'm it's doing that of, as well it's part I, of the astrology yeah I feel like it's one of my roles is to be an encourager and it's so fun and easy and and I mean I, I love receiving encouragement and I have one of my little mottos is that no one, um, everyone deserves love and no one receives enough of it. May or may not be true. Um, and encouragement is another aspect of that, giving people that faith and that confidence so that they'll absorb it and expand on it for themselves. I was, I had, uh, I like that. I I'm, I have to sit with that uh, no one gets enough of it piece. That part feels a little like it's If anyone up. was going to push back on that, it would be you. <laughs> I, I am. I'm pushing back. It's my responsibility. Cool. Because maybe we have exactly, maybe it's perfect. It is all perfect. And it feels good to be actively, like, of course, there's the love of the invisible beneficence and the trees and spirit and our ancestors and there's how you you are set up in your life with your like physically incarnate family members and i would still i would i'm sticking to it because of people's self self-talk and self-sabotage and the places where we don't accept ourselves and in my idealistic vision it's a constant 100 percent flow of love Yes to that. It's a, it's a field. It's a exactly. field of love. And in that, uh, specifically, it feels like we could love our shadow more. Yeah, and love other people's shadow more. That's powerful. Probably easier to do the latter by mastering the first, the first one. Love your shadows yeah. so that it's... Uh, a less daunting task to love other people's shadow. Totally, and and I, I I agree. I do believe that comes first. And right now, given this cultural climate and what's happening to the social structure, I'm getting a lot of opportunities to love other people's shadows. <laughs> yeah, I'm I as well. I as well, <laughs> and my own. I I love that that uh, pattern that comes up. Where I'm just so sure that I'm right. I love it. It's it's become funny to me, which is the first kind of breaking open of of that of the assumption in that. Yeah, totally. So we just live in an, an assumption land. <laughs> yeah, I'm uh, I'm really wanting to invite uh, clear cancel delete. I'm inviting you, DK, myself, JP, and our audience to sit into the word courage and sit into a self-assessment of that. Do you consider yourself a courageous person? Where is it that first comes up, you know, when you start to intellectualize it or, you know, that intersection of intellectualizing, intellectualizing it and feeling it in your body? Where is it that you feel you're, you don't have courage? 
And is that something that uh, can be an invitation to fill up that, that cup with some light? I've been, the past couple of years, I've had a theory, and I know I've shared this with you, that the more like healing or integration I do, I do it, it, the task becomes exponentially bigger. There's way more healing and transmuting and integrating to do. And in that way, it's, it's fractal and it's multidimensional and it's omniscopic, infinite. I'm still working on infinite. Anyway, um, I feel like that's my relationship with courage because I, since little, little, like since birth, I've been a courageous person with a very marked amount of courage and not, you know, that shows up in my interpersonal relationships and as a tiny gymnast and doing, you know, flips and twists on four and a half inches and just the way that I've engaged things, I know that I am perceived as being courageous. And I also notice, especially lately, how much fear I have and how much fear I, I work with and how uh, present that is for me. I think in, uh, in a biblical context, there's, a, there's a, uh, a positive space, a, uh, a welcoming of being a fearful person. So have you ever thought or looked into that? You know, it's like a, a God-fearing person. There's a term. And it could just be the translation into English is different than it would be in like Aramaic um, or in Hebrew. But that, that particular piece of uh, like being God-fearing, fear is almost this uh, replacement. I do him, her, it. Like I don't, that doesn't resonate with me. God that doesn't me. resonate. But maybe fear as a replacement for it's like a, a meta respect or a meta uh, honoring. Do you feel like honor and respect require fear? No, I think that, um, and possibly in the timing of translation, the way that we measured whether people honored someone or respected them was if they feared that person. Maybe that was the fear of the loss of that person's love or that person's connection. I, I'm trying to make sense of it because it also doesn't resonate to say a God-fearing person. I don't feel like I'm a God-fearing person. Though I, I do feel like I'm a, a deep, I'm, a, I'm like drunk on God more so. I feel that. I don't, in my relationship with spirit, I don't see fear. That doesn't come into play with me. And when I think of people that I respect or admire, it's, there isn't a fear Peace, but and I also recognize we all have our own definitions and also fear we have our own relationship with fear that's what I'm realizing is how large and expansive everyone's relationship with fear is like I'm not a fearful person I know that and I'm and I'm not really one to identify as being this type of person or this type of person I know that doesn't resonate for me and I have a very deep relationship with fear I'd be really surprised to see that on your dating profile. Like, I'm a fearful person. <laughs> I'm a fearful person looking for partnership um, in, in, a, in a liberty kind of zone, in a freedom zone. Yeah. I'm not a fearful person. That doesn't apply to me, though. Can you be fearful and free at the same, in the same moment? You know, I listen, This I love that you asked that because Radiohead's been doing these free live streams, which are fantastic. And I listened to one last week and the opening was, uh, it sounded like maybe it was Bessie Smith or Nina Simone and she was being interviewed, um, what is freedom? And she said, it's being free from fear. And I, I mean, I, I just got a chill when I said it now. It was I also so just got a, a chill. Yeah. Full of truth bumps actually. Yeah. What a liberated space to be in and liberated, you know, being another liberty, liberated, free to be. Can you, can we even imagine a space of being in an absolute freedom? Have, it's different than sovereignty. Have you experienced that? No, I don't think so. 
I think that there are uh, there are threads that are somehow I associate the threads of fear in relationship to security or relationship to some type of connection with the 3D. Like I'm not ready to let go of the 3D kind of a thing. Um, it's possible that I've had some peak experiences where I'm being a container for that, for that type of freedom of, you know, an absence of fear. I feel like I'm like you, I've experienced complete absence of fear in, I'm thinking of five MEO or experiences like that. Um, but I went to the park this week and I was laying in the grass with my arms splayed belly up, which is something that I've done, you know, very consistently throughout my life. And I heard voices coming and I felt, I felt fear and I felt, I had this notion of like, I don't know if I'm gonna be able to position my body like this in public that much longer, if this is going to continue to be safe and realizing the, the luxury that I have had in just sprawling and not needing to, you know, check around for who's gonna, whatever, you know, whatever could happen. It was the first time that I had, that I noticed that I had fear for positioning myself like that in public. I mean, courageous, courageous to just do that in the first place since it's generally ascribed to be a child, like a thing that, ki that children do. You know, it's like, if you're a child, then you can kind of, you have a little bit more freedom in the way that society allows and permissions you to uh, run around. It's something that I noticed with Orion, where he doesn't often walk where he's going. He runs where he's going. And I think about that, um, like what if I just ran to the places that I was, I would be a, a, a strange, I would be some type of an anomaly in a, in a social structure. Like, oh, he's the running guy. That guy just runs everywhere, becomes some kind of uh, ascribed identity. Totally. Oh, look, yeah, it's I've... the snowflake. It's the grass snowflake girl. She, just, <laughs> she goes and splays. She splays. She's the lawn splayer. I feel like it's another benefit of not having kids because I don't, I don't need to model how to behave for anyone. So I don't. I just do what I want. <laughs> That's beautiful. I, I think I do generally. I don't let the children piece get in the way of me modeling. I mean, ideally, I'm modeling. I'm living in, a, in alignment and integrity with my modeling. That'd be I'm going to look into that some more. What is your relationship to courage? And do you have techniques or tools that you use to cultivate courage yeah yeah thanks for that's good i'm glad you're asking me that because i did think of that on the on the the way into this podcast mind meld mind meld it's getting easier it's just getting easier i think that there is a an invitation there's a stimulus to draw forth courage there's a passive courage where I think when I'm moving through my day, um, I may have an impetus to, to to speak to someone who's a stranger, stranger, you know. And I think that there's a certain type of courage in that. Like if I'm standing on the sidewalk or walking, and someone's walking by, I have the option to say nothing. I have the option to make a little small talk. I have an option to encourage them. Um, or to bring some type of smile or levity to the situation. So in that way, that's one of my relationships to courage is recognizing the, stimu the stimuli of human connection, the opportunity, animals included. You know, if I see a, a dog on a leash, I like to speak to the dog as well. And when you're in the moment where you have the impetus to reach out, is there a fear is there ever an element of fear that you are meandering around? Surely, yes, yes. And that usually, that there's two different types of fear. One is, is kind of uh, shadow generated, where I 
feel like, oh, what if I end up having a conversation with this person? I don't know if I want to relate to this person. These types of the consequence structure will get, become this intellectualized thing. And then that might stop me from connecting with someone. And the other would be when I'm listening and it's really like energetically, it's not for me to, to connect with this person. And I, I can feel the difference between the two. There's a different, you know, I, I think earlier on, like when in my twenties, I felt less discerning about who I was going to connect with. It didn't matter to me if they had light energy or dark energy, or if they felt nefarious, um, or if they felt like uh, some type of mental health scenario, which I've had that experience quite a few times where I see someone who's uh, in their own world and I connect with them to just offer a, a, a thread of humanity or a thread of that. And sometimes I'll get in a conversation where it's actually more of like a monologue where I'm listening to this person describe whatever's going on in full, what I would say is nonsense. To them, they have a whole world that's been created. Um, and I, I just don't really have the bandwidth or I don't choose to have the bandwidth for that as much. Or I, I have, it's more of a choice than a, I'm like, okay, how is this going to affect the next several minutes? Um, I also think that there's something when, and I think it is a fun example of seeing someone who's, who's well-recognized or famous or a celebrity and that kind of feeling that comes up of there's a, like an importance to that person that's been ascribed. What is that? I find that so odd because I know what you're talking about, how it will, it'll create a physiological, like it affects your heart to see someone who a lot of people know. I think that there's some type of uh, deep tribal something or another in that where we want to be included. We want to be in our tribe and by connecting with or being in the, in the presence of someone who is so very included, there is, there's seemingly some type of, Oh, I, I, I want to make sure I'm in this person's good graces or something. I don't, I think it's a subconscious thing in the case of seeing famous people or rec- well-recognized people. And I get, that feeling, if it does arise, I definitely reach out and connect with the person to dis, okay. you know, just to dispel that, just to show my subconscious, to to show myself that this is just an this is another human being. This is a another human being. It's almost like instead of recognizing this culturally agreed upon elevation of that human, I'm subverting that with this idea of like, wow, you are a human being. That's so much greater than anything that, that I could ascribe to you right. in some way. It's a fun exercise. If I get nervous, then that's a really fun, I like to push up against that. Same thing with confidence. I think that's a great character and confidence builder is when we have the like butterflies or we have the kind of feeling that, uh, that there's consequence in our actions. I, I usually, I like to, to jump into that and just to test, to test what my energy body, my emotions also, I, no, I noticed that if I don't do it, if I see that person again, it's bigger. Is there a, t- is there an instance that you could think of where you did that and like you spazzed out and it went awry? No, like that's you're, never. You're it? That's never happened. I mean, I'm sure I've said dumb things to people. I mean, you know, afterwards I'll, I'll say, oh, that was, but there's not really consequence, especially in the culture they're living in where people's uh, attention spans are so, there's just more information that's going to come in the next three minutes that's going to probably, for, you know, people forget things. Right. They forget interactions. I don't. I remember almost every interaction. I do, because I, I value them. Nice. Yeah. There's something... Uh, I think I like the feeling of people knowing that I remembered meeting them or having an interaction. I generally remember people 
and, and interactions very well. Mm -hmm. I have this funny memory of, uh, I had dated this very, um, this beautiful girl in, in high school. And I, we just dated for a short time. It was a very enlightening moment for me as far as my understanding of intimacy and really just knowing to go slow. It was that moment in my adolescent or later adolescence or you know, late teenage years where I realized that that was even an option. I'm not just mm -hmm. trying to, to be a, a hunter, so to say. And uh, I ran into her sister and I had met her family and uh, we had said something and she said, oh, you should call, you should call you know, my sister. It would be great to catch up or something or my house or something. And I was like, oh, I remember uh, is the number is this. And I said her house phone number, which was, you know, today it would be even more strange because how many people know each other's phone numbers. But that I, I just remembered, it was like an anchor of remembering the connection to that family. And I just remember seeing her response to that was like, how do you, how do you even know that? Like, I can barely remember my phone number. It was an, an interesting, well, I think when we put value in things, we have a better retention of that experience. Absolutely. And also, when we bring courage to it, it does heighten a lot of our deeper um, facilities for retaining information. How so? Well, I think that because the moment has more value, when we feel let's say let's make a let's make a hypothetical uh i get a stimulus that is calling me to courage to mm -hmm. to ex to show courage and maybe it's speaking my truth uh maybe someone's saying something that maybe someone is bullying someone or someone is you know, abusing uh their power or whatever the case may be that stimulus that then i will meet with my courage calls upon this whole energetic Feeling. Sometimes I'll be shaking, sometimes my heart rate goes up, but that meeting of courage does call upon a, an, uh, it's not uh, ordinary, it's an extraordinary set of my experience. And so when I look back, when I look back into my memories, most of my experiences, I would say, are ordinary experiences, even though I feel like I've had an extraordinary life. That the pieces that high that kind of peak into memory with more vitality, more luminosity, are moments that were extraordinary or that called me to be in a different state. It's a state shift. Yeah, that makes sense. Thank you like, for breaking that down. I get like it. remembering uh, certain things in altered states. Yeah, things are they're just heightened. There's just they're bigger. They're more intense. There's something. Yeah. Do you feel? As far as your relationship with courage, do you feel like that's a daily engagement? I do feel like it's in daily engagement. Um, there's something about me that just, I think I am driven to move into my fears and move past them. Um, so even, you know, like making videos and podcasting, I was afraid of speaking in public and speaking on camera for a long time. And I'm, I'm still looking forward to it being comfortable. So anytime I'm putting something out there, that's taking courage. Um, these days, just going out to do anything because I don't wear a mask takes a lot of courage. Um, just trusting the, the people I'm around. Is it the so, courage? Do you feel the courage is in not wearing a mask and going out or that there's a potential in having an interaction that's going to require courage it's the second one because when when all this started it wasn't it wasn't a thing to not wear a mask because i'm just being me and i'm attuned to my body and all of that now given you know a number of of incidents and pushback and and just our general climate now it's more about what, how people might react if I'm going to get, if someone's going to be mean, if I'm going to be thrown out, you know, it, it's the, the various tendrils of how I'm going to be received by my fellow humans and how they're going to treat me in the face of a culture that is really, um, 
dehumanizing one another more and more. So I'm noticing that I, I these days have a lot more fear around human interactions and how much courage it takes for me to go out into the world and go to something. What I'm hearing when you say that is that the, the fear is something that's happening as a potential future. Which is all fear, right? Fear is future, which is something that I, you know, because I'm someone who works with fear a lot, it's be being radically present. There is no fear when we're in the present moment. It's just what, for me, that's, I mean, that's one of the ways that I've learned to deal with fear. I remember as a gymnast and, you know, there are 10, 12 girls on my team all waiting to go, you know, to take our turn on the vault or to take our turn on the bars or whatever. And I was acutely aware as a little kid that there was so much fear in my system for whatever tricks I was being invited to do that I would always volunteer to go first so I could just get it over with. Say that last bit, get it over with. It just paused. And put the fear behind me as quickly as possible. Because fear is, I feel like it's, yes, it's physiological, there's emotional, but also feels very mental. So I've had times with, with peak experiences or with, you know, when I went skydiving or when I was a rock climber, it's like, I just want to go first so that I can get this fear out of me. The motivator. Yeah. And in that way, like, you know, when I'm, when I'm hearing that fear is happening in a future state or it's inspired by a future state, one of the best tools, at least one of the tools that we have available is courage because that brings things into the present moment. There's something about being courageous that exists most potently in this moment. It's like bring it into the heart. The heart is not, the heart is a timing. It's a timing piece, not a time piece, right? There's a rhythm to the heart. And so at that centerpiece of courage and the rhythm of the heart, it's not a future past. It's just in the moment, there's a pulsing of that pulse quite literally two things one i just want to comment on the profundity of your time space little truth bombs because just saying the heart was timing i i was like okay i could sit with that all day mm. sense of fear last night i went to a meeting and you know it's a group of very strong strong-willed people strong personalities and there was a moment in the meeting where it just got kind of gossipy and people were saying, disparaging people who weren't there. And I noticed myself growing more and more agitated and more and more comfortable. And I had the thought like, I don't want to be disruptive. I don't want to be the squeaky wheel. I don't want to be the one. And then finally I was just like, can we not, I, can we not do this? Like, please. Um, but how I had this fear of speaking speaking to that to shut it down would that i mean i guess that was a future thing because yes i was projecting as to how it was going to be perceived and then mm -hmm. thus rejected by the group because of it and sometimes i think that functions as the timing you know there's that examining something that is a possibility that will happen that that moves sometimes that moves us a few time sequences ahead so that the timing is more ripe for the interruption mm -hmm. um, like that. or that sparsing. I also think just in answering your question about if fear's a daily thing, I think a lot of my work the past few years, as far as speaking to divisive languaging, speaking to identity politics, I think a lot of that was fear of what is happening now. And that fear of where I saw those <clears throat> those trends going um, gave me the courage to to move out of my comfort zone and speak to them. I don't know that it did any good. <laughs> um, but I also think a lot of my work is fear for what humanity, like trying to wanting humanity to not suffer and having these fears for ways that humanity could, could possibly yeah i i i live in um uh, i live in that more so these days um 
And that's a good thing to, to check into. And the courageous response to that, like what, what's the courageous response to that? What is it? How are you, how are you dealing with it now? Um, I like to go meta. It seems like it's a running away from, but really it's a encapsulating a, a larger reality. So zooming out to understand that I have these perceived fears around where we might go as a culture, as a humanity. And if I take one step out of my identification with body, identification with identity, 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 then I can see the oneness of an interrelation of all things and also that that this just is and there is a there is a wave there is a a pulse of creation and destruction and it's my bias to think that we're in uh creation or want to be in creation all the time and then have like little moments of destruction to make way for more creation um yeah so there's i don't know if i have a great answer for that okay to be quite honest i tried to swim around there <clears throat> you know one thing i did want to um i want to throw in there on the record so to say uh on the topic of courage is the shirt that i'm wearing here um which i think is so important so very important these days is to be is to be uh, courageous to remember what was and to accept it in the way that it was um, and to hold that for how it means today. And I'm wearing my shirt for anyone who's just listening and not watching is the First Amendment. And being that today's July 3rd, I thought this would be a good shirt to be wearing. And I'm just going to read it out for the record and then also um, just so we can, maybe we'll tie up the show with how courage fits into the First Amendment. So it says, Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof or, ab or abridging the freedom of speech or of the press or of the right of the people to peacefully, of the right of the people peacefully to assemble and to petition the government for a redress of grievances so much in there that is an invitation to courage. <laughs> it's It feels like the Constitution and the amendments coming from uh, coming from a cluster of activists, really, and from people who were fighting and having to summon so much courage to envision a new way that had not been done before. That took a lot of courage. That took an extraordinary amount of courage agreed upon by not only the people who were designing it, but then the people who were living within that set of rules and freedoms. Right, it's so experimental at the time to, to jump on board and be like, all right, I'm gonna live like this now for the first time in global history. Democratic Republic. Absolutely fascinating. And definitely something that I think uh, deserves more love, more appreciation, more just acknowledgement of, of what that is like to step into something. It's a big responsibility to have freedom. Absolutely. So how do you see courage coming into play right now um, as far as your honoring of the First Amendment? The same. It's the same as it was for, you know, I, I imagine is the same as it was then. Where there is a courage to hold and to own and to embody that, that set of rights and the, the freedoms. It, it's, a, it's a constant, it's an everyday, that's why I asked if you feel like courage is an everyday exercise. Because in this country, in the United States of America, it kind of requires that we approach the day with courage and with a, an accountability 
and a responsibility in order to be deserving or really to, to even utilize the benefits of it. Um, there's a structure. There's a structure here that we've that we have created that our founding fathers have created, um, and that a lot of and it has been defended. It was a breaking. It was a breaking from tyranny. But in that space that then was opened, we, it, the, it's almost like because we came from tyranny to experiment with freedom, there is a dichotomy there where courage is the tool of freedom that allows us to not move back into tyranny. The more I see, or I say the, the, the more I see the, the destruction or the dissolving of courage, the more I see us moving into acquiescence with tyranny. 100%. Yeah. And so I encourage, I encourage us all to sit with and know what that freedom, what that means for us on a day to day, especially when it's, when it's contrasted with convenience. 100%. Thank you for uh, inviting our audience to step into greater courage and to just to be mindful and to be aware of, of where they're deferring to comfort over courage and to, and I'm stoked for our audience to continue to choose courage over comfort. It's courageous to, uh, to take a deep breath and have that oxygen swim around your chest and feed the blood and oxygenate the blood that then goes into your heart, which is where the courage is nested. Uh, And it's also to not hold your breath and to exhale completely in the trusting that you're going to get another breath. Not a guarantee. Not definitely not a guarantee. There will come a time where it's not going to happen. There's a, there is a last breath. There's a first breath. There's a last breath. Yeah. Oh, time and timing. Well, Danny, I feel like we, we have buttoned up and gift-wrapped courage in a beautiful package. Uh, thank you for your insights and stories and constant leaning into your fears and juicing the freedom and the courage necessary to be you. Thanks, Justin. Yes. <laughs> You're welcome. Thank you to our audience. Thank you to episode 15 for being a placeholder for this conversation. Thanks for bringing us such an awesome topic. Uh, More to come. Rock on all of us. Yes. Yes. Thank you. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of Word Up with Danny Katz. Be sure to give it a like to share it with your nearest and dearest. And remember to subscribe to the channel so that you don't miss a single episode of your very favorite podcast, Word Up with Danny Katz. We'll see you soon, tribe. <laughs>